Welcome to the Lost and Found Wellness Podcast. I've always felt that being lost was a problem. Everyone knows their why and their purpose. Everyone else has their shit figured out. But I'm not qualified enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not fit enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not worthy. These things made me feel behind and lost. But feeling lost is not the problem. It's a sign towards a new situation, a chance to get creative, to build resilience and a chance to connect with yourself and the world around you. You are adaptable. You are brave. You are safe. And you are loved. So if you're feeling lost in where you are in your life, you've found the right podcast. done Paula's story. Paula's 51 today. Jen, how old are you today? I am 43 today. 43 Not today. today. I know. But You've been 43 for a As minute. I sit here, <laughs> I am 43 years old. Amazing. <laughs> All right. So what are some of your proudest achievements in your 43 years? In my, wow. That's, there's a lot there. You know, as we talked about, the, you know, sort of our format, it's, what I would consider my proudest achievement sort of stems out of what I would consider my lowest point. And so whether that's, whether we want to talk about that first and kind of how I got out of that might make a little bit more sense, but it's been about seven years ago at this point that I was diagnosed with a brain tumor and it's sort of changed everything at that moment. I had always struggled with my weight and I was avoiding seeing doctors and mostly it was because of my weight and some comments that um, some doctors had made to me in the past. And so I had just chosen to be in denial over things. And I, I should have known, like looking back, I should have known that there were some things that were wrong. Just to clarify that, that's like, so you've gone in for symptoms before and like their response was always like weight related and not anything else or what? Right. Yeah. Right. Or there's, you know, I remember there being, you know, comment. They were a lot of the comments were directed at my weight. So, well, you know, I can't do proper exams on you because of your weight. I can't do. And by the way, I want you. To, I mean, I was Same. never. I was never like. I mean, I was big, but I was never like what probably would be considered morbidly obese, probably. And so, to get those, when I finally found a doctor and I confided that, she was horrified. She's like, I have patients that are twice as the size of you, and I'm able to complete exams on them. So. It's just a sign of being a terrible doctor. But that feedback that I had gotten from physicians, I was just like, well, I guess there's no point. So I just did a lot of ignoring and being in denial about some things. When I finally found the right doctor, I was diagnosed with this brain tumor, which was the diagnosis process was obviously scary because it took about a week and we went through some different possibilities where originally thought that I may have breast cancer, some things like that. So there was a lot of testing. And you know, when they give you a wristband at the hospital that Mm -hmm. just never comes off because you were coming and going for tests so much. Oh man. And Mm -hmm. that's always kind of a sign of it being, okay, this is kind of getting real. And even though the whole process lasted about a week and a half, I suppose, it felt like a lifetime. And then when when I was diagnosed with the tumor, Then I went through kind of a period of time where I didn't realize how much I had sort of closed off from everything. I was really active in some youth organizations. I was an adult sponsor for some youth organizations and 
I was active in community bands and a lot of things. I was doing a lot of things and I had just kind of pulled away from a lot of that stuff. And I remember my best friend at the time, I had driven out to her ranch out in Western Nebraska. And it was just the two of us coming back. And I remember her, it was a captive audience, you know, when you're stuck in a car with somebody for hours and they're (laughs) able to say to you, I'm worried about you. You need to get your shit together, basically. And so that was a big wake up call for me. And as I went through the treatment of this tumor, it was the, the particular tumor was a prolactinoma, which is a pituitary tumor, which causes an overproduction of prolactin, which is the pregnancy hormone. So for those out there who've been pregnant or they're familiar with it. Yep, <laughs> or who are married to people who have been pregnant. <laughs> it's essentially hormonally, my body thought it was pregnant for years. And all the symptoms of being pregnant, I was going through all of that. And the medication that I was on was, the tumor was non-responsive to it. And so it would bring my prolactin levels down some, but not to a healthy, normal level. So it was managing it, but it was not controlling it. So I did some research and realized that this particular tumor was estrogen sensitive. And I knew that having fat on my body was causing overproduction of estrogen as well. So I decided that losing the body fat and getting the weight off was something that I could control and would potentially help control the tumor as well and the symptoms of the tumor. So that probably led to what my proudest achievement was uh, to that point was the drive. The I was so focused. I look back on how I got there and I was so focused and I lost about 90 pounds total and got to a really healthy place so that when I was able to have the surgery to have the tumor removed, I was in the healthiest place I could possibly have You had some good like, lifestyle habits kind of well, on yeah, before sure. going into something like that. But what's interesting is like, so when you initially went to doctors for a lot of health issues and they had mentioned that weight was the issue, and then you find out that it is a tumor and you, and you see the connection between the impact that weight has on that, but it was a completely different, you know, like uh, approach. You know what I mean? It wasn't like probably the way, and it was communicated from the doctors in the beginning that deterred you from, you know, taking that drive or, you know, being motivated to do it. Like I'm, and that's just something that's just so important. I think with bedside manner and and doctors in general, of just like how those things are communicated because it didn't put you in that mindset of like, this is something that I can control that could help, you know, alleviate a lot of this stuff. It was I mean, like I'm assuming a little bit more in like a shameful kind of a way. Um, it really was. Like the first, my primary doctor that I had been kind of going to that had given me these, just, like that was just the response of everything. Mm-hmm. And that we never looked at any other issues. It was always just that. And it was very dismissive. And here's your prescription and good day. Right. And then I remember switching doctors. And when I had saw, I had seen the gynecologist actually is who diagnosed the tumor. And I had gone back and saw my primary, who was a completely different doctor at this point. And he was really funny and he was uh, British and mm-hmm. he thought he was funnier than he was, I think. <laughs> so he always laughed at himself a lot. And, um, but he was, he was really interesting and I had never dealt with a physician who had quite the bedside manner that he did because I remember when this happened, I saw him between the time that I had the bilateral breast ultrasound and the brain MRI. So when I saw him and I was like full on freaking out at this point, 
because that's what happens. <laughs> it's like a full-on meltdown freak out. And I remember sitting in the exam room and him coming over and kneeling down in front of me and taking my hands and saying, we're all just dealt a certain hand and you have to deal with them. And we'll oh, deal man. with whatever you're dealt. If it's breast cancer, then we'll deal with it. If it's what, and I was 30 years old at the time. I think if I remember correctly, it was my 30th birthday happened that week. Oh man. And so, and he's like, you know, whatever hand you're dealt, we'll deal with it. And it was just really matter of fact. And it was kind and it was compassionate. And right. that's kind of where we moved on with that. And then as it turned out that my, my weight loss journey through that, um, so endocrinology is kind of who manages that type of tumor. And the vast majority of the patients that endocrinologists treat are diabetics. And diabetic tends to be a, a lifestyle disease. And I remember my endocrinologist asking me about the lifestyle changes I had made because I had lost so much weight. And so they were really interested in that process as well and, and things that I could offer to help other patients in, in the office because obviously losing weight is something that helps diabetics as well. Right. So, and it was interesting because they uh, wanted me to see a, new, a nutritionist through this process. And I was like, no. No. <laughs> no. What, was the, what knew, was the hesitation to the nutritionist? Yeah. I knew exactly what the nutritionist was going to tell me. And I was not interested in that. I had already lost a ton of weight. I was doing the zone at the time. Mm -hmm. Looking back, <laughs> there were a lot of really positive lessons that I learned from the zone. I just didn't do it in a really healthful way. Mm -hmm. I think... Instead of doing, I remember my coach at the time telling me that a 13 block zone was probably a good number for me. And I was like, well, if 13 is good, then 11 must be better. Mm, yeah, so that mindset. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when I got, when I went back and figured what the calorie count on an 11 block zone was, it's about 900, 920 calories a day or so. And I did it for eight months. And I was like religious. I measured mm -hmm. out my little fourth of a cup of vanilla ice cream and my fourth of a cup frozen blueberries on top. And it was amazing. And I lost so much weight. And <laughs> I got to a really, really good place uh, to have my surgery. And then over the course of time, I have gained that weight back, obviously, because in that really unhealthful way, wasn't the right, right way. But I knew that I knew that a nutritionist was going to tell me, you know, low fat, lots of healthy carbs. And I knew <laughs> that I didn't feel good on that. Right, right. And so I was having success with what I was doing and I didn't want to make that change. Right. But then what you ended up finding later is that there just wasn't the longevity with that diet. Right, cycle. right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I think you're just like, I, what I brought out of that was just listen to your own instincts and be your own advocate because no one else is going to be. There's nobody out there that is going to make you more of a priority than you will or that you should. And if you don't stand up for yourself, then no one else is going to. So if something is wrong, trust your instincts. Don't be in denial. Don't pretend like it's not happening. You know what's right with your body. Like if you're 30 years old and you don't have a period, like that's not normal. So mm -hmm. don't be excited about that because I was. I was like, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. 
But unfortunately, like my gynecologist told me at the time, she's like, your period is like your dipstick for health. Yeah, it really is. And it so really is. Absolutely. So much information comes through that. Mm-hmm. And that's, I was a similar, you feel or attachment to it or detachment <laughs> to mm-hmm. it of like yeah. celebrating when, yeah, I didn't get it. I almost tried to skip it any opportunity that I could and not deal with it because I just didn't understand the information that it does give you. So it is, it's definitely a sign of, of health. It's whether you want to reproduce or not, you've been given this, you know, yeah. cycle, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a good indication of just of what's happening within the body. Like, d- can this support life or, you know, is something a little bit off, you know, maybe something just needs some attention and that's just really what it is a, a call for. Yeah, for sure. And I think just to kind of wrap it up, sort of a funny story to uh, uh, explain my full sense of denial on the situation. Is... Well, I'm sorry, I can't stop laughing, but your dog keeps <laughs> your dog like, jumping is... up on your shoulders, like, pay attention Hello. to me. Yeah. Yeah. And he's... I think he's probably upset that you have not mentioned him as like a proud achievement. <laughs> I do, I do have a blonde coon hound named Kevin, and he is he's quite the achievement. <laughs> but I think the you know, it is kind of a funny story, and I realize how ridiculous it is in hindsight, but it's the stories that you tell yourself to explain away when something is wrong. But I had I had watched an episode of like CSI Miami or something or Criminal Minds or some crazy like criminal show. And there was a woman on there that had stolen a baby from somebody because she wanted a baby really bad. So mm-hmm. she's stolen this baby. And because she had this brand new baby with her all the time, then she started like lactating and showing signs of being pregnant. And right about this time that my tumor was diagnosed, my nephew was born and and I was around him all the time. And so I had told myself that the whole reason I was having these symptoms was because I was around this baby around all the babies. time. Oh my God, that's hilarious. <laughs> so, um, oh. Note to self, if you're not actually pregnant, you shouldn't be lactating. So that's the lesson for the day. <laughs> That's, a, that's awesome. The hearty lesson there. <laughs> Hashtag life lessons. Yeah. No and don't shit. always listen to your doctor. I mean, if they're not giving you what well, you I want, think then you got to find another opinion. Yeah. I think you yeah. hit it earlier when you were saying, of yeah, exactly. Like um, definitely get second opinions. I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of that. But also trusting that like, you can be your best doctor, like your instincts. Yep. Like you yep. said, you know when something is off and that's something that you can't depend on your doctor or your mm-hmm. trainer or your nutritionist for. Like you have to really get in touch with that. And that goes back to like body sensation, something that, you know, we'll talk mm-hmm. a lot about just being able to recognize those and, you know, being in a situation mm-hmm. where you put yourself on override or you try to justify and, and minimize those things it can get you into a dangerous point. So I'm glad you finally spoke yeah. up and listened to it yes. and that you're here with us, to you're here with today. us today. Yes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Amazing. All right. Love you, Jen. Love you. Love you, ladies. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Lost and Found Wellness Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, rate us, and give us a review. Then head over to Facebook and join the Lost AF community to keep the conversation going. 